you for downloading the Two Cities Church podcast, where we are pushing back darkness by spreading the good news of King Jesus. And now, here is this week's message from Pastor Jeff Struker. Obviously, we're talking about freedom. We said it already. We've sang it. And I just want you to know that COVID set me free. It really did set me free last year. And I don't want to be flippant about this because there are still people, even in our church right now here in Columbus, Georgia, that are struggling with the COVID virus. Maybe you are going through another lockdown in your country right now because the COVID virus, the variation of the COVID virus has hit your location hard. I don't want to be flippant about this, but COVID really challenged me and honestly forced me to start to listen to the Holy Spirit. See, what can sometimes happen to pastors, and come on, y'all, this can sometimes happen to church people as well, is that we will start to tie the identity of a church to a building. Ever happened to anybody? You start to, in your mind, when you hear the word church, you start to think of a physical location. And what COVID did is just took that issue off of the plate and started to set people free from the building itself, made it possible for believers to gather together in small groups all over the world and not need a physical location to do it. That's why I'm telling you, COVID really did set me free as a pastor. And what I want you to hear from the Bible today comes directly from John chapter 4. Jesus is going to tackle this idea of tying an identity for a church to a building. In fact, I think there are some pastors today that still make the mistake that Jesus was trying to correct back in John chapter 4. Jesus is going to describe radical freedom with a gospel that transforms every square inch of this planet. And if you understand what, if you want to understand what the Bible is saying in John chapter 4, I'm going to give it to you in one short sentence. It's right here on the screens for you. Only a gospel with no boundaries, no buildings, no limitations. Only that kind of gospel can set your soul free. Somebody let me hear you say amen. Because if your gospel has some limitations on it, then maybe that gospel will free somebody else, but not you. And the gospel with no boundaries, no limitations, is the only gospel that can set all people free over every square inch of this planet. When I use the word gospel, and I'm going to say it a lot today, I really need to describe what I'm saying because maybe you're tuning into this church service. Maybe you've never been to church before in your life. In the English language, the word gospel gets thrown around an awful lot. And literally translated, that word just simply means good news. So people use this word gospel to refer to all kinds of good news. But when I say the word gospel today, here's what I want you to think. I want you to think gospel good news is that Jesus set me free. But not just any old kind of freedom. You see, some people can get little tastes of freedom. The kind of freedom that Jesus came to give, would you listen real closely? Is freedom from yourself. 
And Jesus and only Jesus can give that kind of freedom. That kind of good news only comes from Jesus because only through the blood of Jesus Christ can a man or a woman become free from themselves. And what we're going to see today is who can actually have access to this gospel freedom from yourself. It comes directly from the Bible in the book of John. We're going to be in chapter 4 today. And we're going to hear a conversation, a scandalous conversation between Jesus and a Samaritan woman. And here's the first thing that you're going to notice from John chapter 4 today. The gospel crosses all cultural boundaries. Or maybe in the United States, it would make more sense if I told you the gospel shatters racism and crosses all racial boundaries. Maybe if you live in another country, you think cultural, maybe you need to think racial. Because what Jesus does here is not just dance around the boundaries. He smashes them on purpose. John chapter 4, verse 1 says this. It says, when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard he was making and, dis- and baptizing more disciples, thank you, when they learned that he was making and baptizing more disciples than John, though Jesus himself was not baptizing, but his disciples were, he left Judea and went to Galilee. The only thing that I want to say about this verse, as we go along from John chapter 4 and just make some observations, is baptism is a huge deal. And if you want to know how big of a deal it is, it has showed up now several times in the book of John, and we're only in chapter 4. Jesus' disciples are baptizing. The crowds are growing. And funny enough, Jesus decides as the crowds start to grow, you know what, y'all? We need to leave Judea, and we need to go back to Galilee, which is a long way away. Now, he takes a very unusual route to get there. He had to travel through Samaria. Now, had to is a very important phrase. If you're in the habit of circling or writing in your Bible, you should probably underline or highlight that phrase. Jesus had to travel through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the property that Jacob had given his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. And Jesus was worn out from his journey. He sat down at the well. It was about noon. And a woman of Samaria came to draw water at noon, the hottest part of the day. Give me a drink, Jesus said to her. Because his disciples had gone into town to buy food. So it's just Jesus and this lady right now having a conversation. Listen to her response. How is it that you, a Jew... Ask for a drink from me. And here's the issue. A Samaritan woman, she asked him, for Jews do not associate. Underline, highlight, exclamation mark next to the word associate. Jews do not associate with Samaritans. There is racism, blatant racism, all over in your Bible. And John chapter 4 just doesn't hide it, doesn't minimize it. It just shows how Jesus deals with blatant racism. The Jews and the Samaritans pretty much hated each other. They come from common ancestors, but their bloodlines diverged a little bit, and they want nothing to do with each other. Now, I think it's fascinating 
that the Bible tells us that Jesus was worn out. He's on a long journey, and this journey wore him out. If I were writing the Bible, I would not include that phrase in there because I like to think of Jesus as the Son of God who can't ever get tired, never falls down, never scrapes his knee. But what the Bible says is he is also 100% man at the same time that he's 100% God. He's on a long journey. And in Jesus' day, the Jews would take a, would double the distance and go all the way around Samaria rather than even step foot through these people's lands. And Jesus smashes that cultural practice. And he decides, I'm going to Samaria, and I'm going to Samaria for a very specific purpose. I'm going to a very specific place at a very specific point in time, and I'm going to meet a very important person when I get there. I'm going to Jacob's well. And when Jesus does this, he radically tackles racial hatred. In fact, it's so scandalous that his disciples can't even grasp what's going on. If you have never had a chance to see any of the television series, The Chosen, you really should check it out. Because in the last episode of season one, the Chosen miniseries deals with this specific incident from the book of John. I want you to see this really short video clip and I want you to focus in, lean on the edge of your seat, and I want you to pay close attention to the look on his disciples' face when Jesus says, hey, boys, we're going through Samaria, not around it. Check this out. Hungry? Almost there. What city is that? Jezreel, the southernmost town in Galilee. From that river east of the Jordan River. Where are you going? Do you need something? This way, friends. I'm sorry, but the map shows that Jezreel is two miles southeast of here and is met by a road east of the Jordan. We need to adjust our course 30 degrees We're to... not going to the Jordan. We're going through Samaria. Are you telling a joke? There's a place that I want to stop. Plus, it makes our journey shorter by almost half. And our odds of violent attack more likely by double. <laughs> Is that an exact figure? Forgive me, teacher, but it's safer to go around Samaria by way of the Jordan and not the Capulets. Would you join me for safety reasons? But Rabbi, you're Samaritans. Good observation, Big James. What's your point? Rabbi, these were the people that profaned our temple with the dead bones. They, they hated they us. They fought against us with the Seleucids in the Maccabean Wars. Spoken to a Samaritan. And we destroyed their temple a hundred years ago. And none of you here were present for any of these things. Listen, if we're going to have a question and answer session every time we do something you're not used to, it's going to be a very annoying time together for all of us. We'll be fine. And if we get attacked, Simon would be happy to show us what to do. Absolutely. Right. So follow me. The reason I show you this clip is because Jesus is illustrating, and this movie clip does it beautifully, the hatred between Jews and Samaritans. It shows up 
right there in your Bible. Can't miss it in the words from John chapter 4. In Jesus' day, a Jewish rabbi would rather die than take a drink of water from a woman. And Jews would walk for days to skirt around the region of Samaria rather than going through it. This is not just accidental. He is smashing cultural boundaries right here. And it was so bad that the Bible tells us that in Jesus' day, Jews didn't associate with Samaritans. And by the way, uh, it worked both ways. The Samaritans didn't want much to do with the Jews. But that word associate, it doesn't mean that we didn't hang out at a party together. We didn't spend time together. No, this is the word that you would have used in Jesus' day to refer to, we don't put that bowl on this table. That bowl doesn't belong on this table. That bowl belongs in the kitchen. And we never associate that bowl with this table. There was no conversation between Jesus and Samaritans, between Jews and Samaritans in Jesus' day. And he is smashing all racial, racial hatred when he is crossing over these cultural boundaries. And he's doing it very intentionally. Please hear what I'm going to say next. There is no room, none whatsoever, for racial hatred in Jesus' church. I wish I could say that that kind of behavior doesn't continue in our country or in other parts of the world. I wish I could say that, but I can't. I will say this. There's absolutely no, there is something wrong with your gospel if it allows you to hold on to racial hatred and feel no conviction, no guilt, no remorse for it. A little interesting story. Not long ago, a lady was on my lawn telling me what she thought about me as a man. And she made it very clear that the whole reason we're having this conversation is because of my son-in-law. My daughter married Kevin, who I am very proud to call my son-in-law, who is also African-American. Now, not once, look at this, five times in a two-minute conversation, this woman let me know that I'm trash because of the man that's in my house, this African-American man in my house. And I tried to handle myself as delicately as I could. But I need you to hear something about what this lady was saying, because maybe you come from the part of the world where you don't use the phrase white trash, but it gets tossed around a lot in the United States. And I need you to understand something, that no human being on planet Earth is trash. You have been created by the divine hand of God. You are so precious to God that he would send his son Jesus to give his life up for you. So no one deserves the name trash. And I'm telling this if you're in the habit of using the phrase white trash. But I also need you to understand something else. If there was such a thing as white trash, like the part of the tracks that you come from or the family that you were born into is trashy, then I would be at the top of the list for white trash. I mean, if there was such a thing as white trash, that would be me. No questions about it. Nobody else would fit that moniker better than me. And what I'm trying to say is this lady is hanging on to racial hatred and cannot get over what she sees with her eyes because 
she's still living under the bondage of hatred. Now listen to what I'm going to say next. If for you, somebody, you're uncomfortable being around somebody else because the color of their skin is darker than yours, and let's just be honest, y'all, this works both ways. If you're uncomfortable being around somebody because the color of their skin is lighter than yours, then maybe there's a soul level problem that needs to be worked on. Maybe you have a problem with people whose eyes are wider than yours because yours are narrow or whose eyes are narrow because yours are wide. And if that's the cultural hatred that you're hanging on with, we have a problem. You see, the gospel doesn't allow Christians to hang on to this kind of racial or cultural bias. It shatters those boundaries. And that's what you see Jesus doing in John chapter 4. Two cities church exist. We started this church because this community has people from more than 100 countries living in it. But when they go to church, they're supposed to check their culture or their ethnicity at the door. And churches don't allow them to bring their cultural heritage with them. And we decided we're going to be a church that allows you to not just bring your culture with you, but embraces your culture. We're a church that crosses over cultural boundaries because we believe the gospel crosses all cultural boundaries. And if you call Two Cities Church your home, I need you to buy into that with every fiber of your being. If you're struggling with that, let's talk. If you have no desire to ever get there, time for you to find another church. This is what we mean by living free, free from racial hatred. Jesus smashes some cultural boundaries when he crosses over into Samaria and when a Jewish rabbi sits down and has a conversation with a woman at a very specific, very prominent place in Samaria. Let me tell you what Jesus does next. He doesn't just assault cultural boundaries. He actually assaults religious boundaries. He shatters all of those religious rules that were going on in that day who, that have crept back into the church today, and a lot of those rules still show up in churches today. Let's pick up the story where we leave off. Jesus is now tired. It's the middle of the day. He's sitting down at this well, this very prominent place, very specific well. By the way, if you were to go to Palestine today, there's a couple in our church that have drank from this well. It's still there. It is so deep and so prominent that it still yields water today, where Jesus has this conversation. And let's see what happens next when Jesus engages this scandalous conversation with this Samaritan woman, starting in verse 10. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who was saying to you, give me a drink, you would ask him and he would give you living water. Did you see what Jesus just said? I didn't really come here to get water. I came here to give life. And obviously, you don't understand who you're talking to. Because if you did, this conversation would be going a lot different right now. And so, of course, the woman is interested now. Sir, said the woman, you don't even have a bucket. And the well is very deep. So where do you get this air quotes, living water. You aren't greater than our father Jacob, are you? He gave us this well to drink from, 
uh, from it himself, and as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said, everyone who drinks from this water will get thirsty again. But whoever drinks from the water that I give will never thirst again. In fact, the water, will, the water I give will become a well of water springing up in him for eternal life. Sir, the woman said, give me this water because I'm tired and it's hot and I don't want to have to come here and draw water again. Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and come here and draw water. She starts to get into a conversation with him about the prominence of this place in Palestine. Hey, you Jews ignore Samaria and you act like you have no business being here. But Jacob, who was a heavy hitter in the Old Testament, dug this well and gave this well to his son Joseph and all of their family after them. And basically she is tying her identity back to the, her Jewish heritage. And Jesus deals immediately, starts to turn the conversation to a spiritual conversation. Hey, I didn't come here to talk about water. I'm thirsty. I'd really like a drink of water, but apparently that's not on the converse, or that's not on the table right now. It's not on the menu. So let's talk spiritual things for a minute. Jesus says to her, obviously you don't know who you're talking to. Because if you knew who you're talking to, you'd be asking me instead of me asking you. And here in the story is where we get to the heart of the issue. Now, come on, y'all. The issue of the heart is always the heart of the issue. And she's hinting around about it. She's starting to dance around about it. And what Jesus does next is not let her off of the, off of the, um, the, the conversation. He doesn't allow her to skirt the real heart of the issue. In fact, Jesus is just going to go straight to this woman's heart and have a conversation with her about what's going on in her heart, not what's happening inside this well and inside the buckets. And listen to me, when you start to share your faith, when it starts to get close and people start to ask questions that really sound like they're getting angry or maybe it's totally off topic, chances are something bad has happened to them in the past and chances are they're struggling with something that they've experienced in the past. And if you will just act like Jesus, I think in many cases you can just listen well enough and people will tell you what their problem with the Bible is. People will tell you what their problem with the church or with Jesus is. They'll just tell you if you'll listen. Because Jesus now turns the conversation. And now we're going to talk about the real issue that's going on. Why is this woman at the well in the middle of the day instead of when everybody else goes to the well early in the morning? And Jesus knows exactly why she's at the well right now. Here's where the story picks up. Go. Jesus said, and call your husband, he told her. And then come back here, and uh, her response is, I don't have a husband, she answered. You have answered correctly. Uh, when you said, I don't have a husband, Jesus said, for you have had five husbands, and the man that you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. Sir, the woman replied, I see that you're a prophet. 
And now she starts to squirm. And because she's squirming, she's going to try to change the conversation because this just became really uncomfortable for her. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews say that the place to worship is in Jerusalem. And Jesus told her, believe me, woman, an hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem, not with red bricks and a white steeple, not necessarily in a building at all. You will worship him in spirit and in truth. Listen to what Jesus says next. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We Jews worship what we do know because salvation is from the Jews. But an hour is coming. In fact, it's now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, which means maybe this is in a living room. Maybe it's in a hotel room. Maybe you're connecting with other believers from around the world and you're doing it over a Zoom meeting or by social or through some social media, but it doesn't require a building anymore. And this blows her mind. So Jesus needs to explain it a little bit further. Yes, the Father wants such people to worship him. And here's why you don't need a building. Because God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And now this lady's really struggling. And this woman said to him, I know that when the Messiah is coming, who is called the Christ, when he comes, he will explain everything to us and I want you to hear how this conversation goes next because Jesus is sitting there talking to this woman and she's got an issue that's holding her back. And Jesus just goes straight to the heart of the issue. Now, in Jesus's day, if you wanted a divorce, ladies, listen to this. You could go to a rabbi or to a religious leader and ask them to give you a certificate of divorce. Sometimes they would give you once Sometimes on rare occasions would you uh, given a second opportunity to divorce a second husband. But in Jesus' day, culturally speaking, any other relationships that you had, even if they were certified in marriage, it was considered adultery after the second divorce. This woman is now on man number six. And Jesus just goes straight to the heart of the issue. She's not just a woman, and it's a scandal for a Jewish rabbi to talk to a woman. She's not just a Samaritan, and there is racial hatred between Samaritan and Jews right now, but she is a notorious sinner. The reason she's there in the middle of the day is because of her relationships, and everybody in the town knows who this woman is. Everybody in the town is up in her business and so she has to get up and go to the well at the worst time of the day just to avoid the gossip and the backbiting from all of the other people in town when they go to the well early in the morning. I want to pick up the video where it leaves off and see how this conversation goes. I want you to see the look on this lady's eyes when the moment happens and it dawns on her. And she finally starts to understand who she's really talking to. Check this out.
Give me a drink. Did you hear me? That bad, huh? What? You, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a Samaritan, and a woman. I'm sorry. I should have said please. You know, it's not safe for you to be alone out here. Nor you. Why haven't you come with others? Why so late in the day? Don't women come to the wells in the, the cool of the morning? Yeah, well, none of them will be seen with me, so I have to come out new in the heat. So you have so kindly reminded me. Why won't they be seen with you? Long story. I, I'd still like a drink of water if you can spare it. Amazing what a parched throat will do. Aren't I unclean to you? Won't you be defiled by this vessel? Maybe some of my people say that about your women, but I don't. Yeah? And what do you say? I say if you knew who I am, you'd be asking me for a drink. Really? And I would give you living water. Would. Except that you have nothing to draw water with, and this is a deep well. Besides, what do you need from me if you have your own supply of living water? Wrong story. But Jewish water is better than Samaritan water. That's not what I said. Are you a better man than our ancestor Jacob, who dug this well? Your water is better than his? I know Jacob. And everyone who drinks this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks the water that I give him will never be thirsty again. Wouldn't that be nice? The water I give will become in a person a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Really? Yes, really. Prove it. First, go and call your husband and then come back. I will show you both. I don't have a husband. You are right. You've had five husbands. And the man you're living with now is not your husband. Ha <laughs> oh, I see. You're a prophet. You're here to preach at me. No. Usually the one good thing about coming here alone is I can escape being condemned. I'm not here to condemn you. I've made mistakes. Too many. But it's men like you who have made it impossible for me to do anything about it. How? Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain. But you Jews insist Jerusalem is the only place for true worship. They say that because the temple is there. Yeah, exactly where we're not allowed. I'm here to break those barriers. And the time is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. So, where am I supposed to go when I need God? I've never received anything from God, but I couldn't thank him even if I did. Anywhere. God is spirit, 
And the time is coming and is now here that it won't matter where you worship, but only that you do it in spirit and truth. Heart and mind, that, that is the kind of worshiper he's looking for. It won't matter where you're from or what you've done. Do you believe what I'm telling you? <laughs> Until the Messiah comes and explains everything and sorts this mess out, including me, I don't trust in anyone. You're wrong when you say that you've never received anything from God. This Messiah you speak of, I am he. The first one was named Ramin. You were a woman of purity who was excited to be married. But he wasn't a good man. He hurt you. And it made you question marriage and even the practice of your faith. Stop it. The second was Farzad. On your wedding night, his skin smelled like oranges. And to this day, every time you pass by the oranges in the market, you feel guilty for leaving him because he was the only truly godly man you've been with. But you felt unworthy. Why are you doing this? I have not revealed myself to the public as the Messiah. You are the first. It would be good if you believed me. You picked the wrong person. I came to Samaria just to meet you. <laughs> Do you think it's an accident that I'm, I'm here in the middle of the day? I am rejected by others. I know. But not by the Messiah. <sighs> and you know these things because you are the Christ. I'm going to tell everyone. I was counting on it. <laughs> Spirit and truth. Spirit and truth. It won't be all about mountains or temples. Soon. Just the heart. You promise? I promise. I've done. Oh, he must be the Christ. <laughs> hey, wait. Your water. You forgot your um. This woman came looking for water, but she left with life. 
Life has just beat her up and it's knocked her down. And chances are she tried to be a good girl, but it didn't work for her. She tried to follow all of those religious rules, but no matter how hard she tried, it wasn't working for her. And then the religious leaders would step in and they would let her know how much of a sinner that she was, that she was not accepted in a synagogue. And you can't go to Jerusalem to the temple because you're the wrong color of skin. You come from the wrong culture. And now this woman is struggling with belonging. She's struggling with identity. And I showed you this long video clip because I cannot find the words that do the drama of this conversation at the well justice. Like Jesus meeting with a woman who has crossed every boundary that you can cross and Jesus still shows up and engages her in a conversation and invites her to become part of his family. Listen, I am done following the religious rules. The religious rules that tell you if you be a good boy or a good girl, God's going to love you. If you will read your Bible and pray and really give your money, then God will be pleased with who you are. I, I am sick and tired of the religious rules because all they do is make life difficult. All that it does is disappoint you. I've followed the rules. I've watched people follow the rules and it doesn't create disciples. It just makes difficulty. And Jesus just showed up at this well and you can't miss it from chapter four. He said, I'm not playing by the rules. I'm not following the same religious rules that every rabbi, every Pharisee, every Sadducee is asking you to follow. I'm simply looking you in the eyes and saying it's an issue of the heart. It's now not where you go. It's not the rules that you follow. This is very much an issue of the heart. The rules just hold people back. In fact, religion kills the soul. This dead religion that just simply says follow these rules. When we say live free, we tell you live free from the religious rules. All that you need to do is surrender to Jesus Christ and get up tomorrow morning and follow his Holy Spirit. That's the only rule that you need. You do that and everything else will take care of itself. Man, Jesus shatters the religious rules. He crosses every racial boundary and he leaves no room for cultural or, relation or racial hatred. And the last thing that I need you to understand, because you can't miss it in this passage, is that the gospel crosses all boundaries and conquers all sins. This is the first moment that Jesus publicly declares who he is. There are some Bible scholars out there that don't trust the Bible and they will tell you Jesus never really did claim to be the son of God. He just called himself a good man, the son of man, or he was a prophet. No, you can't miss it from what he says next. John chapter 4 Verse 26, this woman says, only the Messiah can fix this mess. Jesus looks at her in the eyes and he told her, I, the one speaking to you, am he. The English translation here changes the word order around. What she heard is I am. Y-H-W-H, the divine name of God, you're right, only God can fix this mess. 
and I am the one that was that Jacob followed. I am the one that met Moses at the burning bush, and I am the one that can fix the mess that you're going through right now. You see, religion conquers, or a relationship with Jesus Christ conquers all sin. Last week, I was in Oklahoma. I was going from one event to the next. I was in a vehicle with several other people. We were all driving to a speaking event. There was a lady sitting next to me, middle-aged lady, And we started to have a conversation. It was about an hour long drive. And I asked her, I started to share Jesus with her. And I asked her about her faith. Her name is Heather. And I said, Heather, can you tell me about your relationship with Christ? And she started to explain how she goes to church and she prays and she tries to follow the rules. And then Heather's own words, her almost her exact words, she said, but there is this one thing in my past that I'm still wrestling around with. I looked at her in the eyes and I said, Heather, I've heard from enough people. You can just say it out loud because I can already tell you what this one thing is. She said, okay, I had an abortion and I'm wrestling around with whether or not God can forgive me for what I did a long, long time ago. This is a middle-aged woman who's carrying around shame and carrying around guilt for what happened many, many years ago. I had the privilege in this vehicle of describing unconditional love that says, Heather, no matter what you do, you can't make God love you any less. That's what unconditional love means. But I also need you to understand something, Heather. No matter how good of a girl you are, you can't make him love you more. Unconditional love said there's no conditions that he places on you. He loves you and he wants you to be free from this. And he has sent his son Jesus to set you free. And Heather, if he can set you free from that, then, he, then there's no reason why you should still be holding on to this guilt and holding on to this shame. And it is my prayer that Heather found real freedom because there is no sin so terrible that the blood of the Jesus Christ cannot wash it away. But I need you to understand something. That means there is nothing that you could do to be a good enough boy or a good enough girl to earn your way into heaven. The rules of religion say, do this and don't do that, and God's going to love you. What Jesus showed up to say is, it doesn't work like, those rules are broken from the start. You come to me and hold nothing back, and I will make you pure. I will make you perfect. And you've got nothing to regret. You've got nothing to uh, nothing that holds that hangs over your head like a dark cloud, like this woman at the well, like Heather in the vehicle on the way to an event in Oklahoma. See, I need you to understand something about what you're hearing from the Bible today. The gospel is designed to set people free. And maybe you're watching this broadcast and you need to be set free for the first time. And I mean totally and completely free. If that's you in just a second, I'm going to pray for you. But maybe this second thing on the screen describes you. Maybe you're a Christian and maybe a long time ago you did a prayer and you really meant it. And Jesus moved in and took up residence inside your heart. And then things started to capture your attention and they started to grip your heart again. And maybe what you need is the gospel to set you free all over again. Maybe what you need is the Holy Spirit to help you live free tomorrow. You've been set free from Jesus and now, you're needing, now you need the Holy Spirit to help you live free 
live free from racial and cultural hatred, maybe live free from those religious rules. Maybe there's a sin that's hanging over your head like a dark cloud and you need the gospel to set you free. I want you to bow your heads. I want to pray for us right now. I want you to just respond to the Holy Spirit. God, I believe that you sent Jesus to go after a kid who had nothing going for him and everything against him like me when I was 13 years old. God, I believe that you love Heather enough that you would be willing to clean her up and to make her acceptable in your sight. And I believe all of these things because of what we're reading from this woman today. She had three strikes against her. She was a woman and it was unheard of for a rabbi to talk to a woman. She was from the wrong side of the tracks And she was very clearly a sinner. And Jesus went out of his way to have a conversation with her. And if she can be cleaned up and made right, then certainly anybody watching this broadcast can. So I'm praying that somebody who's tuned in for the first time and who does not know you as Savior, they would simply turn it all over to you in a prayer of faith. There's no magic in these words. But maybe they would just simply say, God, forgive me. God, I'm a sinner. God, I am incapable of being good enough to earn my way into heaven. That's conditional love, and that's not what you sent your son Jesus for. He didn't come to condemn. He came to rescue. And God, right here, I'm admitting, I got nothing to offer you but mistakes and failures. But I believe you love me enough that you're willing to Call me your son or your daughter and bring me into a relationship with you. So God, right here, right now, for the first time, I'm surrendering my soul to you. Father, would you hear that prayer from heaven? And would you radically and totally change somebody right now? But God, I need your gospel today as much as I needed it on the first day to set me free because my heart still gets attracted. It still gets captured by things that get its attention. And not just me, but for every Christian who's watching this broadcast, Holy Spirit, would you help them to live free this value of our church that says, I will, I will not follow these religious rules. I'm not going to live under condemnation. I'm not going to live uh, as a second-class citizen because of my upbringing. God, I need you to help me live free, and then I am not going to enter into bondage again. Father, would you minister to your people right now? God, would you move in a very powerful way? Would you do what only you can do? And we'll give you and only you the credit for it. I pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this message. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and to stay in touch by joining our email list through the link in the show notes. Have a great week.